All right, guys, good morning. Uh, Brad Davis here from the Denton North Church meeting at the ranch, and we're glad that you are joining us this morning. Um, a couple things up front. Uh, please continue to give as normal. So far, uh, it's been great. Uh, people have been uh, uh, making sure that they're keeping up with, uh, with giving, and that's just important as we uh, continue to have all of the finances that we normally do and uh, have a lot of benevolence needs right now and will over the course of the next uh, few months. So yeah, keep giving online. Uh, that's the platform we're using, Tithely. If you need some help with that, uh, you can always uh, put uh, uh, an email in the chat box or text one of our, uh, our folks who work with that, uh, Josh Robinson in particular. So yeah, that's great. Uh, we probably next week will do a little bit of a later start time, maybe 12, maybe later. Uh, one of the ideas is that we wanted to be able to have people join in on the Wiley Northeast or the Garland Northeast live stream. They're doing stuff that's a little bit more robust than what we're doing, meaning that they're doing worship, they're doing some group stuff. I've talked to uh, at least John at this point. We'll talk to Ronnie later this week. And uh, if that's something that you want to do, I'd highly encourage it. And that way you can listen still to uh, our sermon later on in the week if you want. Uh, next week we'll actually have a panel uh, that'll be kind of a part two on what we're going to be talking about today. We'll have uh, Leslie be leading that and Tabby in April uh, will be uh, not here, but will be with us through video uh, feed. So anyway, uh, get on their Facebook page, uh, Garland Northeast Church or the Wiley Northeast Church. Uh, and uh, you can participate with them. I watched a little bit this morning, and it was awesome just to be able to see people uh, singing still and, uh, and interacting in groups. So, yeah. And then also last week, uh, we didn't so much do the questions very successfully, so please insert your questions in the chat box. Uh, if you have them, we'll try to take a, a moment at the end, maybe five minutes before we're going to end, and uh, remind you again, just if you have any questions, and that way we can answer some of those questions like we normally do on a Sunday service. Alrighty. Sorry about so showing so much leg this morning. Um, I have no clean pants left. Uh, I have one pair of shorts and all dirty shirts. Just really haven't found time to do laundry in this really busy season. I've got a really packed schedule today, so I'm not for sure if I'll be able to do that again. Um, I've got to watch John Wick Chapter 2 for the fifth time this week. Uh, Forensic Files. They have part two, which if you don't know, pretty important. And uh, so, yeah, busy schedule. But if anyone wants to do my laundry and need some money, um, I can maybe send it, put it in a basket outside. You can just put your info in the chat box, and uh, we'll take care of it. All right, so uh, with that said, we're going to talk a little bit today about the emptiness of worldly wisdom. We're coming out of Isaiah 40, as always. I'm not so sure this sermon is going to be that much about emotion, and it might not be that practical, sort of musings, my musings, and a little bit of my own um, kind of personal confession uh, today. And so we'll spend a little bit more time with that uh, next week when we try to make this a little bit more practical and a little bit more about emotions. But just stop me if it gets a little bit like, uh, what are you talking about? You know, I'll look to the chat box. Other people can inform me of people uh, trying to stop me to repeat or say something I need to to clarify. But we're out of uh, Isaiah 40. We're not going to read the entire thing today. We're just going to read 15 through 20. And this is actually one of my favorite sections in the, um, this chapter because I think it uh, comes across as pretty harsh, but there's just some really, really helpful 
uh, information for us, particularly for thinking through um, how that world kind of, uh, I, I guess, conditions us on how to think about uh, ourselves and about sort of our purpose. And by the world, this needs to be defined. I don't mean non-Christians, as if non-Christians are all sort of conspiring against Christians to perpetuate ideas. Christians on their worst day are just as worldly uh, as non-Christians. I think what we're really talking about, what the Scripture talks about, are these forces, whether you believe that those are principalities, as it talks about, um, angels and uh, demons, and or just structural forces that uh, tend to take us away from how God intended us to live. And so when I talk about the world, uh, we're really not talking about nations, even though the scripture talks about like that, or even world religions. We're really just talking about how um, there are these ideas that we have, whether collectively, societally, from our human nature, uh, that really oppose what God wants from us. And so that's really kind of the idea when we talk about the emptiness of worldly wisdom, which is the title uh, this morning. So we're going to read 15 through 20 says, surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. Yeah, I haven't memorized this, okay? Again, I haven't had enough time. Um, so someone commented last week, why aren't you memorizing this? Why aren't you quoting it? Again, just not enough time, you know, too much TV to watch. So, surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor is its animals enough for burnt offering. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. So we're going to focus in on 15 through 17 today, and then uh, when we talk about emotional idolatry with Tabby in April next week, we'll focus more on this 18 through 20. So a couple notes here before we begin, and I'm just going to share a couple ideas and then be done. We're really not talking about economics here, even though the scripture seems to kind of talk about economics. We've talked about that a lot in our past ser- uh, sermon ser- series, excuse me, and um, you can kind of access that through the, uh, the different podcasts we have. We're really talking about something kind of different. If I can call it spiritual economics, I will. The idea that we um, have sort of under access or over access uh, to things monetarily, not what we're talking about. So spiritual economics, the idea of scarcity and abundance we are going to talk about. And I'll try to make that a little bit more clear later on. The other note, and the more important one, is I feel like a huge hypocrite talking about this today. As I uh, planned this, thought about this weeks ago, and then really spent time uh, this week on it, it, uh, it kind of reminded me of just how far away I am in a lot of these things, just how much I buy into so much of, of kind of empty worldly wisdom when it comes to, uh, to thinking about the things that we're going to talk about today. And so a lot of this is really a confession and a repentance on my part, uh, because I just have lived this for the last couple of years, and uh, I want to change and want to grow out of that. So, uh, God through Isaiah gives us these examples, they're very clear examples, metaphors, um, drop in a bucket, dust on scales, islands find dust, and I want to talk about that one uh, first here, and talk about the idea of scarcity. 
I think there's this idea out there that we should sort of just take what we can get and be happy with it. And it almost sounds like a good idea. It almost sounds like what Paul talks about when he talks about being content, that I've had a lot and I've had a little. But it doesn't go beyond that uh, to really define the secret of what Paul uh, was saying there, which was that God can do these things through his strength. And, uh, and that whether I have a lot or whether I have little doesn't really matter because God can still work in both. So this take what you can get and just be happy with it. When, when God talks about nations are like dropping a bucket or regarded as dust on scales, we sort of fight over this scarcity of life, pretending that we're at some point close to being full. Whether that scarcity of life is, you know, the I have a few accomplishments, I have this in my past, we sort of live down to this uh, really low expectation of what life ought to be like. And we should just take it and be happy with what we have. Reminds me of what Jeremiah 2 and verse 13 says when you know, God says, basically, you've committed two sins, you've forsaken me, and you've dug your own cisterns, cisterns that don't hold any water. We've begun to just get so used to our low living and our life without abundance and the scarcity around us, that we just sort of are happy with it. We're decent with it. We're okay with it. Uh, it's become not even a big deal anymore. The fact that we at least have a cistern, even though it has no water, uh, seems enough for us. And yet this doesn't really mesh at all uh, with what Jesus says when he says he's come to bring us life and bring it in abundance. That scripture is often translated as bring life to the full, but that doesn't really, again, make much sense in terms of scripture. Jesus didn't just come to give us full life. He gave us life, come to give us life in abundance. The difference between those is a full life means I'm satisfied. Um, I maybe momentarily have something that uh, makes me feel complete, but abundance is it's, it's overflowing. I'm more than full. There's still stuff out there that I've yet to experience uh, and I'm, you know, fullness might be one day I'm full, the next day I'm not. Abundance means that there's fullness around every corner in Christ. I know that for me, a lot of this just, I, th- I think, manifests in the fact that I will work a day, a week, uh, and feel accomplished in doing certain things. I've gotten my tasks done, and uh, but on the, the, the sort of opposite side of that, I mess up something, it sort of ruins my whole day, how I see God, how I treat people, um, and ultimately I'm just sort of weighing scraps. I don't see the bigger picture, I don't see what God has to offer, I'm simply just taking the scraps that I have, the fine dust on those scales, and weighing them as if they're the most important thing. And I think our society just sort of allows us to live in this sort of day and age of scarcity failing to realize and see just how much abundance God has promised us. The second one is sort of the opposite side of this. When talking about Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. You know, Lebanon was a beautiful area. Uh, mountains, uh, forests, the cedars of Lebanon. Uh, that's a common, common phrase in the Old Testament. Um, the cedars were beautiful. They were large. Um, you know, making anything out of cedar... Uh, while it's a soft wood, it's a wood that doesn't ever rot. Um, and even this, he's saying, is not enough uh, uh, in terms of the animals or wood um, to really satisfy me. And so the other idea here is that we have uh, this idea that we're full or that we have everything we need already just at our fingertips. We just sort of need to find it or um, kind of accomplish it, so to speak. 
But then when you think about it, what do we really have that fixes our innermost issues completely and gives us life abundantly? Um, what is out there uh, that we really can access that's going to fix the major things that go on inside of us? Again, so much of it goes back to we have an idea that it's possible, and yet we're still weighing the scraps of scarcity and what we don't have, um, pretending like uh, you know, like it's just we're right around the corner um, from finding that new thing or that great thing that's really going to bring us fullness. And yet God says even in this most beautiful and wonderful area that has abundance, it's not enough. It's not even close to enough uh, to really bring uh, what only God can bring us. I'm thinking about Ecclesiastes 3.10, one of my favorite verses, one of the verses that really kind of first brought me, um, I think, into a real faith, uh, where you know the, the writer basically just says, I've, I've seen the burden that God has laid on men. He's made everything beautiful in its time, and yet men can't even fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Just this idea that we see things as beautiful and we see things as abundant, but eternity is the only thing that's really there to satisfy us, and it's sort of this constant push and pull. We see Lebanon around the corner. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It has provided all these resources, and yet still there's something else out there that we're missing um, that will be so much more and uh, bigger than that. You know, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, the resources that we have around us, uh, no matter how full they may seem, are useless apart from understanding their gift in Christ. You know, again, in terms of my own life, I feel pretty good for the first time uh, in my 37 years of existence in my, uh, my savings account, okay, and uh, in my even potential to be resourceful. But is that really abundance, or am I simply feeling secure in that I have the resources that I feel like I need to survive from one day to the next, or one year to the next, We've often thought about survival as being abundance, but it's not really abundance. Survival is just that. It's survival. If that's the best we get to, we're ultimately just getting by. And so God is telling us, reminding us that whatever we think is going to make us happy, make us fully satisfied, the stuff that, uh, that we think you know, will ultimately do that apart from him uh, will only leaving us wanting more. The last one that I, I was thinking about, so the first, take what you can get and just be happy with it. The second, we have everything we need already. The third, and this one's really tricky, but I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot because we've talked about it, I think, at length in other places, uh, is our, just our value. Our worth comes from what we do with what we've got. And this is kind of an American idea. I think it's a Western idea, but I think it's a human idea that our value ultimately comes from what we do with what we've got. Um, and yet, and he leaves his sort of harshest, um, I think, criticism for this one. If you read there in 17, before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. And what he's ultimately talking about there is that no matter what we can accomplish, what we do in our greatest moments, again, apart from understanding who God is and what he wants for us, and him being active in our world, uh, it's nothing. It ultimately comes to nothing. Reminds me both of what Jesus says in terms of our words won't last, his words will endure forever. But also in Matthew 16, if you've gained the whole world but forfeited your very soul, what have you really gained uh, out of this? Now, I've poured my life into my business these past few years. 
and I think in a lot of ways it's kind of harmed my um, my spiritual practice, certainly, and just my connection with God. I've spent so much time thinking this is what's going to fulfill me. This is what's going to really work for me. Uh, and even in, in, or just now in this season, as I'm forced to stop, forced to slow down, uh, forced to really not have much work, although I'm pretty good at finding work, um, having to think through the last four or five years of how I've lived so many of these things out. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I think honestly, I've got to be able to, at least personally, figure out, okay, so what's next in all of this? How have I pretty much spent so much of my time thinking if I will just make uh, what I can uh, out of what I've got, then I'm going to be successful and forget this abundance that God uh, has offered and that, uh, that he gives to us. So I want to repent for that just in front of you all. Uh, it's easier to do on screen than it is in front of a, an audience. But I really have. I've given my life over for the last three or four years as I was thinking about this in a lot of ways to so many of these ideas um, that the abundance is around the corner. If my business will just get to this point, uh, I'll be good. If um, you know, I can be successful in this area week to week to week to week and have often neglected um, just uh, you know, paying attention to what God's doing and, and where he's at. It, this spiritual practice... Um, survey that we took that if you still haven't taken, I, I would encourage you to do, really convicted me because in some ways, some of you are far more uh, spiritually connected, I think, to God than I am in this season. And I want to fix that and I want to change that. And so this lesson this week was really uh, one where God spoke to me and, uh, and kind of set some, uh, some parameters for moving forward. And so I would encourage you, maybe this is a season where you can do that as well. You can kind of think through what are some things that you've bought into it's really shaped your life over the last few years, um, but really brought you distance between you and God. And for those of you who, who haven't, you know, you don't have to make anything up. Uh, you can celebrate in this season uh, where, uh, you know, you do have your priorities right and be able to, um, to really thank God uh, for that. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much what I have. My plan was 20 minutes. I did it in even less. That's pretty awesome. So let me look here if we've got some chat stuff some questions, and then, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to look through all of these. Most of them are about my socks. Thank you guys for focusing on what's important. Yes, these are new socks. I don't have holes in them. Appreciate that. Um, let's see here. <laughs> all right, I'm going to give you a few more minutes to write questions if you have any. I know that was really quick and, uh, and maybe a little bit more dense than you would have wanted or expected. And so I'll just sit here awkwardly. Uh, as awkward as it is having six or seven of my roommates around here, and eh, yeah, uh, laughing and judging me. Let's see. If you don't have any questions, that's totally fine. You can always uh, add some um, later on, uh, or you know, always post on the Facebook page. Yeah, the Q and A is basically just an opportunity to uh, either reflect on the scripture, reflect on what we just talked about, uh, and, uh, and ask any questions that, uh, in addition to that. Yeah, great. Uh, so the first one is the balance between contentment and expecting abundance in, in crisis. It's not a dumb question. I'll, I won't say who, who asked it. Um, but 
you know, I think this is where things get really tricky. Um, Paul had the ability to balance out these two modes of life. And I think he was talking primarily about, again, this economic aspect. But I still think he was talking uh, to address the, the spiritual aspect of sometimes feeling very, very full and abundant in Christ and other times feeling like there's just kind of nothing there. And I think when you think about the, the way at least that I'm framing uh, these thoughts, I think the scarcity one, it's you know the, the idea that we take what we can and just be happy with it. I don't think that's ever really a Christian motto. Uh, the motto is that we take what we have in the season that we uh, have it in, and we pursue God more to understand how we can really un, you know, see him in this season. Rather than pretending like we're full, pretending like we have everything together, it's about being really honest. Uh, it's not about looking to the scraps and pretending the scraps are enough. It's about seeing those scraps and, uh, and understanding them for what they are and being able to really pursue God as a result of that. It's one of the, the reasons why, and now to bring up something economic, we tend to talk about poor people um, having more faith than those who are rich. Well, some of that, I mean, it goes back to the Sermon on the Mount. When you have nothing, it sometimes forces you to think. Think about all of the, um, you know, uh, time of reflection we've had even just in the last few weeks. We've got not a lot of stuff that's outside stimulus to keep us distracted. We're not working. Um, we're not around a lot of people. It sort of forces us into this time of scarcity, and we can just pretend it's not there, pretend like we're full by watching shows and sleeping all day and doing whatever you know tasks we can, or we can really lean in, into that uh, as an opportunity to you know hear from God, see what he's doing, uh, and recognize uh, just how incomplete uh, we often are apart from him. That's the book that we read on prayer, that Bloom book. He talks about how you know most of us can't sit with ourselves for 30 minutes um, because we think we have so much deep inside of us, and yet in reality... Uh, most of our activity or most of our depth, it comes from the outside and outside stimulants. People asking us questions, um, an experience that happens to us, and uh, how full are we really, uh, and how much of, of our fullness really is just sort of dust on the scales. So I think that's one. The abundance one is um, sometimes we get into seasons like I've been in the last four or five, um, I would say three or four years of just abundance economically and sort of tasks. I'm constantly busy. I'm constantly having things to do. And, you know, I recognize when looking back, and I think I knew this in the moment, those forests of Lebanon, so to speak, where there's beauty and excitement um, are, are really unfulfilling apart from understanding their gift from God. As he says, there's not enough of them um, to, you know, offer animals and burnt sacrifices uh, to really please God. And so in those times of even abundance, uh, we have to learn how to sort of counter the excitement and stimulus that comes from all of this activity and flurry of doing things and feeling good to take time to really reflect on. Are any of those really long-lasting? Are they meaningful? Are they growing us as people and growing us closer to God? Or are they just sort of one distraction to the next? So that's kind of how I would answer that question, but I'll try to get a little bit more practical um, next week when we have some really specific questions on uh, on how these kind of idols work out in our life. So let me move on to some of these other ones. I'm sorry, I kind of answered that one a little bit too long. Um, so yeah, uh, what can we do in this season to bridge the distance we have between God? Like what are practical steps to take going forward? Uh, one of the ones for me, and this is, you know, sort of sad, but I just don't spend weekly time 
anymore uh, sitting in in a one place in front of my Bible and or just praying, um, you know, when listening to God. I, I kind of got into the mode at some point where I could do that pretty successfully throughout my day where I went um, in the midst of what I was doing. And I think that ended up being a great thing. It's sort of like the practicing presence of God, Brother Lawrence, washing dishes, all that stuff. But then that slowly morphed into a shorter and shorter time period and then just sort of went away. And I sort of lost the practice really of going and and intentionally doing that. And I need to regain that. What seemed like a sort of growth and maturity in my life uh, ended up um, being an excuse for me to just, oh, I'll do that later, or a quick prayer here, quick thought there and really taking time, um, particularly to walk around. You know, the, the best, I think, most meaningful times for me um, in terms of, uh, of really practicing the presence of God was back about 15 years ago when doing call-in ministry, and I had a path that I walked around the Allen neighborhood, the Allen house, and um, had like a little hidden spot too. It was really cool. I'm not going to tell you where it is. And, uh, but just walking a lot and praying and thinking was really helpful for me. Um, I think also just having some more meaningful conversations about some of this in this, this, this season. Um, we can talk still a lot uh, through video and, and things like that. And so I think that's uh, pretty awesome. Thanks, Dad, for thinking I rock. I appreciate that. You're my main man. Um, how do I know I've been seeking abundance? If not, how can I start? Yeah, so I think that um, probably the easiest answer to that is do the highs of my life and the, um, I think, most important times I'm fulfilled really come from something that's an overt understanding that God has gifted me with this, that God is working, or do most of my sort of... um, high points and uh, times I'm feeling best seem to have only indirect connection um, to what God is doing at any given time. So if I'm super happy that I got a bonus at work or a promotion or, you know, I'm close to finishing a degree, um, those things can be great and are great and are important. And we're going to talk about how, um, you know, those things even take on more meaning uh, when we find them in what God is doing in our life. But if they're only sort of indirectly, I'm sort of like after the fact, retroactively trying to make a justification of what God is doing there, I think then we'll find that, uh, um, that this is, is passing. Because, you know, when it comes to abundance in Christ, that, this is something that grows. It grows over and over and over. Uh, abundance in the world is here today and gone tomorrow, as we've seen even in these last couple weeks. And so I think if it's growing constantly, um, that can be a pretty good sign too. Um, is it about not settling for less than what God has for us? It's, I don't think it's always about settling. Well, I mean, yeah, it is about not settling um, for less than what God has for us in the sense that um, we're, we're not um, just okay with uh, the scraps as if, you know, I, I'm using this, I'm thinking about this, this story um, where, you know, Jesus is, uh, the bleeding woman comes to him, touches his cloak, and he says, you touch me. Um, and he says, I'm, you know, no, this is a different story. This is actually kind of related, but um, this is the one where, you know, she comes to Jesus, heal, uh, heal me or heal my daughter. Yeah, I never remember this one. Anyway, I should probably look it up, but I'm not going to. And, uh, and he says, you know, I've not come to, um, 
you know, uh, anybody but the people of Israel? And why give the scraps to the dogs? It's like one of this really strange and mean statements. And she goes, yeah, but even the dogs eat the scraps off the master's table. And he is just amazed um, by her faith. In fact, she's one of the two people that he says great faith, both of which are not uh, Israelites. The, the point of that story, though, I think, is that uh, she was unwilling to walk away with just scraps of, of um, you know, Jesus. She wanted the full thing, the full healing. And she saw those scraps as an opportunity um, to find abundance in God, uh, meaning that uh, you know, she ultimately saw, yeah, okay, I'm in the place where I'm at but I'm going to be persistent in really hearing from God anyway. And so, yeah, it's about not settling um, for things that are less than what God gives us, but I think you know, with, with that, that, that can become very weird language and kind of be, you know, because God doesn't owe us anything. And so often this abundance movement has kind of been in the, unfortunately, in the realm of I'm going to have perfect health and I'm going to have lots of money. But I don't think that's the kind of abundance that Jesus was talking about. Does he want that for us? Maybe some of us and maybe sometimes, but that's, that's the force of Lebanon. That's not the, uh, the kind of deep abundance that God gives us. Contentment, love for people, um, an appreciation for um, you know, uh, who God is and, and what he's doing. Those are the things that I think bring abundance. Uh, okay, so how do we encourage each other to seek abundance without causing discouragement in where someone currently is? how to spur one another without causing discontent or uh, discouragement. To think about this one, um, I think, you know, uh, again, it kind of goes back to the idea of recognizing where you're at and recognizing that, um, that abundance in Christ can come in a situation where you are, um, you know, there are scarce sort of resources or whether you have a lot of resources. That's the whole idea of this passage, is that God's saying that everything is scarce, no matter whether you think you have a lot or whether you think you have a little. The point is that they're all dust compared to the abundance that he has. So you have the ability um, for God to work in an abundant way, and no matter where you think you're at. And I think it's it's both of those can be a huge distraction to us because if we're in a scarcity situation, we're just trying to survive. Um, we're just trying to feel like a little bit of something from God. And when we're you know doing really well, we sort of just think that uh, um, you know he's uh, uh, he's there with us. When in reality, we're focusing on other things. Uh, that aren't even apart from him. So I think one of the ways is getting people to be really honest with where they're at. Um, do I feel pretty, you know, it's this goes back to one of the sermons preached maybe a year ago on fat and sassy versus thin and something. I really can't remember. Got a lot of uh, responses on that. Maybe we'll put a link to that. Um, but it's being really, really honest with, uh, you know, with where you think you're at. Um, and I think that's where it, where it kind of starts. Uh, at least it started for me as I was kind of thinking through it this week. You know, where am I at? What am I? Uh, how how should I? How can I be honest about uh, about this? Because there's been times where I've definitely been on this kind of scarcity side of things, and uh, I'm operating more on what looks like a fullness, uh, but in reality, that fullness is really, um, yeah, it's it's not been a full time of life for me for the last couple of years. As I'm realizing and thinking back through through some of that. I think that's all the questions we have. Um, got more. You're always welcome again to post that. I, I know this is kind of difficult to understand. It's very metaphorical. So I would encourage you to spend some time thinking through 
this this next week. Um, read through the passage. Read through uh, the. I'll try to get a transcript of this, but it's pretty easy to take notes. The idea is simply that the the world kind of gives us three uh, things that that we ought to think. And while there's you know sort of aspects of truth in this, uh, if we're not careful, uh, we can do this and and uh, live out of this wisdom and pretty much ignore God entirely. And that's the take what you can get and just be happy with it. Uh, we have everything we need already, uh, and then our worth comes from what we do with what we've got. And so you can kind of write those down and think through that um, and, uh, and read that passage and try to reflect on it. Already, Thank you guys for uh, joining us again this morning. Next week we'll be here with uh, Leslie and... April and Tabby on video, and we'll be talking about, uh, um, it'll be a panel discussion, and we'll try to kind of make practical a lot more of uh, what are some specific uh, idols we have, particularly emotional idols, uh, that, uh, that really distract us from, um, you know, the idea of, of having abundance in Christ, the things that we're either operating out of security uh, or, uh, or sort of a fear and anxiety. Um, so thank you guys. Appreciate it. See ya. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.